1: Hello, you spooktacular people. Welcome to this 21st episode of the History Goes Bump podcast.
0: Ghost tours for the theater of the mind.
1: I am your host, Diane. And this is Denise. And today we are going north to Montana. We decided we wanted to pick a state that most people don't think of when it comes to hauntings. And I don't know, Montana occurred to us. So we're going to Montana to the haunted Chico Hot Springs Lodge. This is definitely a state that it would take some prodding to get us to visit, Denise.
0: Yes, it would, because I don't even know if it's warm in the summer. (laughs) (laughs) When I was looking at temperatures, they did have a record up in the
1: hundreds, but generally speaking, you're lucky to get into the 80s in the heat of the summer, so... Which to us is winter. (laughs) Yeah, that's a a cold snap here in Florida, so... (laughs) All right, well, we are looking forward to sharing with you the history of this uh, fabulous lodge and also some of its mm, particular extra spirits that might be hanging around there. And we don't mean the ones at the bar. No, although they do have a bar there. So we do want to make sure that you check out our website, historyghostbump.com. It's a place you can find links to our blog different places you can listen to the podcast. Our most recent shows are up on the homepage. We have an archives there. Our emporium is there, an events page. You can subscribe to the newsletter, donate to the show. And, of course, we always like to ask you for your reviews over on Stitcher or on iTunes. If you subscribe to the show on either one of those platforms, we get a lot of great compliments from all of our listeners out there. We'd love for you guys to share some of those over on those two platforms because it just helps us to get a little bit more notice with there being thousands and thousands of shows out there. And one of the great shows that I think you guys should check out is Ninth Story Podcast. I just found this one last week and absolutely love it. It is a guy who's a writer and he shares a lot of his own writing on there, reading it for you. And he also talks a lot about something that we talk about here, storytelling. Absolutely. Basically, stories are life. Whether it's somebody who asks you, what do you do? Well, you're telling them the story of what you do. Where do you come from? Well, that's the story of who you are. Everything in life is a story, and there's a certain art to telling those kinds of stories. And so over there on the Ninth Story podcast, they talk about that whole art of storytelling and that kind of thing. So I encourage you to check that out. You can find the website for that podcast at NinthStory.com, and that is the number nine that you Type in there for Ninth Story. Also got a wonderful compliment from him on Twitter about the show. And we just love getting any kind of those compliments because, you know, when you're here doing a podcast, you don't have a chat room where you can see one-on-one interaction. And so that helps us to kind of know if you guys are enjoying what you're listening to.
0: And also you can contact us via email at historygoesbump at gmail.com. And give us any of your comments, feedbacks, and the such there as well. And don't forget that here
1: in the month of January in 2015, we are running a thank you contest for our supporters and listeners. If you would like to win some History Goes Bump gear, that's either a t-shirt or a mug. And you need to do one of two things to get entered. Either sign up for the newsletter or join the Spooktacular Crew group page over at Facebook. One of those two things will get you put in the drawing, which we will be doing on February 1st, 2015. We'll draw one winner and whoever that is, you'll get your choice of either a t-shirt or a mug. You can choose your size and color and all that good stuff. If you do both of those things, you do only get one entry per person. And we have had some... New people, join us over at the Spooktacular crew.
0: Yes, so we have had Andres join us, Amy, and Erin. So we already welcomed you on the group page, but we want to welcome you here on the show. So welcome to the Spooktacular crew. We look forward to having you there.
1: And that's just a great place for you guys to share. If you take pictures at certain historic locations that you'd like to share with everybody, have had experiences, or if you just want to talk about the things that you do in your life, whether it's a podcast or artwork or writing, something of that nature, it's a great place for you to share that. We're very open to that kind of thing. I know sometimes when you join groups, they get all bent out of shape because it's happened to us. If you don't get the okay from the administrator, but we're not that way. We like people to share what you're doing out there because... Frankly, social media is the best way for us to get our message out there. So if you join groups and they're telling you, no, you can't share your stuff, it really doesn't make much sense to be a part of that group. So welcome, welcome. And our downloads have just been going up and up and up. So we want to welcome all of our new listeners out there as well and invite you to check out the entire archives we've done. Let's see, this is podcast number 21, but we've also had a couple of special shows in there and a bonus cast, so we encourage you to listen to everything. We've had a lot of great and fascinating places that we've talked about. So, why don't we get started with this show? would like to support the show, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash History Goes Bump. Or perhaps you just want to make a one-time donation. Click the donate button on our website at historygoesbump.com. Welcome
0: to this moment in oddity. In 1934, Victor Goddard of the Royal Air Force was flying over Scotland through a storm in a Hawker Hart biplane. He'd become disoriented and thus lost. He was desperate to find some kind of landmark that he recognized to get him back on track. Goddard knew that an abandoned airfield named Drem should be in the area, so he dips his plane below the cloud bank. Goddard could see what looked like Drem in the distance, and he banks in that direction. All of a sudden, he sees the skylight up and an ethereal light brighter than even the sun breaking through the clouds. As the light fades, Goddard looks below at the abandoned airfield and is shocked to see a bustle of activity below him. Men are running about the airfield in blue overalls, working on bright yellow airplanes. Goddard circled at 50 feet as he rubbed his eyes. None of the people on the ground seemed to notice his plane. He flew back up above the clouds, now knowing where he was, and flew back to his own airfield. Drem Airfield would be abandoned until 1938 when the threat of war pushed the British to reopen the base. It was that same year that the British training plans were changed in color from silver to yellow. So what did Victor Goddard see in 1934? How could an abandoned airfield be teeming with activity four years before it was reopened? Did Victor Goddard take a brief flight into the future? Whatever the case may be, this experience certainly is odd. The lights the party's just getting started
1: this day in history we chose the following event in history due to the recent massacre at the french satirical newspaper charlie hebdo free speech is a precious right that we must always fight to protect on this day, January 13th, in the year 1605, a controversial play landed the creators in jail. The play was Eastward Ho, a satirical comedy written by George Chapman, Ben Jonson, and John Marston that is considered one of the best-written Elizabethan comedies. The play was a response to Westward Ho, which was an earlier satire written by Thomas Decker and John Webster. The company that performed the play were the children of the Queen's revels. Eastward Ho was an anti-Scottish play that poked fun at the Scots, and King James I was not pleased. Scene 3 is reputed to be the main source of issues, but the written play that survives today either is missing the scandalous section or the stage play took some liberties that the playwrights were then blamed for and then arrested. The playwrights were supposed to have their ears and noses cut, but one of them, Marston, escaped capture. Chapman and Johnson were released by November of 1605 with the help of the Earl of Suffolk. The play was never banned or suppressed, but for a brief moment in time, the men who wrote it were punished for what they wrote.
0: The History Goes Bump Podcast Just north of Yellowstone National Park, in the heart of Paradise Valley in Montana, lies the Chico Hot Springs Lodge. The lodge has been a vacation getaway featuring hot springs for over a century. Those hot springs attracted people not only seeking relaxation, but those looking for a cure of their various maladies as well. The land and the lodge feature more than just hot springs and a breathtaking scenery. Spirits are at unrest in this area of Montana.
1: The state of Montana is named for the Spanish word for mountain. The initial name Spanish explorers gave to Montana was Montaña del Norte, and it was part of the Idaho Territory when America was beginning as a country. Montana is the fourth largest state in the United States of America, which was kind of surprising to me. I guess you don't really think too much about Montana. You hear it's big sky country, but it isn't until you really start looking at a map that you go, you know, that's a really big state.
0: Exactly. It's huge.
1: Various Native American tribes have lived in the Montana area, including the Crow, the Blackfeet, and the Cheyenne. These same indigenous people were the first to use the hot springs found in Prey, Montana. Prey, Montana was established in 1907 by Valentine Egger. And the unique thing about the town of Prey is that it is privately owned and always has been. Edgar was an entrepreneur and he wanted to name the town after himself, but the post office said it sounded too much like Edgar, which was already the name of a nearby town. He decided on Prey after Congressman Charles N. Prey, who was the member of Congress that approved new post offices.
0: The town has always been just a few small buildings that included the post office, a store with a bar, a commercial building, and a few outbuildings with several hundred people in outlying areas using the town as their address. The Walker family took over the town in 1953, moving there from Hardin, Montana. It passed from father to son and then shut down until 2003 when Johnny Walker, yes, that is his name, stopped by the family property and decided to breathe new life into the place. He worked on the place a bit and then got cancer, so the property was idle again until 2007 when Johnny's wife Barbara decided to give it a go. The process has proved time-consuming, And so in 2012, Barbara put prey up for sale for $1.4 million. Barbara tells stories of a time when the general store had a zoo behind it in the 1960s, and drunk locals brought a box of rattlesnakes into the bar to warm them up. The snakes were gone when the bar owner came in the next morning, and they spent all winter catching rattlesnakes. Not a bar I think I would want to frequent. Not that I frequent a lot of bars, but yeah. I'm thinking, what in the world were you guys drinking?
1: <laughs> I mean, I, you know, there was a time in my White life lightning. when I <laughs> when I had some benders, but my goodness, were you, hey, let's go out and bring in some frozen rattlesnakes and see what happens. What did they think would happen
0: when they thawed out? <laughs> I don't know. I, I mean, I've heard it's good eating, but usually you don't just let them go if you're going to eat them. So. <laughs> I want to know what kind of
1: a zoo this place had in the back anyway. <laughs> Here's a box full of rattlesnakes. I mean... How did people go and look? (laughs) Do they just walk around and see a bunch of rattlesnakes in a a little metal cage
0: or something? I don't know. Yeah, who knows? Small towns. (laughs) That's why we moved to the big city. I was going to say that kind of explains a lot. Apparently, apparently, there was a murder at the bar in the 1950s. The town was put up for auction eventually, and the largest offer was $325,000. So apparently Barbara still owns the property since she turned down that offer.
1: Yeah, doing the research on this, it took a lot of digging to even come up with the fact that this really did go up for auction because everybody was covering the fact that she was selling a town, which is kind of unique. There's, I don't know, too many towns out there that are privately owned in this way and so for me I was trying to find out well I mean did she sell it did somebody buy it and I don't know I'm trying to figure out who would buy a town
0: I mean you'd you'd be the automatic mayor
1: so talk about buying an office but we
0: well, never know you know sometimes when you get off in those little small for a cult leader or something I could see a cult wanting to buy the town and have their own city
1: that's true I hadn't thought about that uh, I that's guess that's why if- you
0: need your hippie <laughs> I think about this stuff all the time
1: Hippie. chico hot springs resort is three miles south of the town of prey john s hackney was a miner who came to paradise valley in 1865 to join other miners who had been gold mining in nearby emigrant gulch he kept a diary and in it he made the first mention of the hot springs in the area by eighteen ninety, two two wooden tubs had been built for the water of the hot springs to flow into inside of a small wooden building Ten years later, Chico Warm Springs Hotel was built by Bill and Percy Knowles and consisted of a main lodge and the two wooden tubs were replaced by a large pool filled by the hot springs. The pool was dubbed The Plunge and it was six feet deep and 44 feet in diameter. Separate private baths were built for both men and women. Bill Knowles died in 1910 of cirrhosis of the liver, Apparently he spent too much time in the bar that they had on the property. The the
0: rattlesnake bar. I'm going to rename their bar for him. This actually is, this is the bar that's at the lodge. This is not
1: the one that's in the town of Prey. Oh, dang. But who knows? It was only, what did I say, three miles south that they were, so he might have gone to to the bar there a few times too. But Percy continued to run the operation until her health led her to turn the operation over to their son. During the time that Percy ran the hotel, she brought in a doctor and turned the place into a pseudo-hospital, offering treatments for arthritis, kidney issues, and blood and skin diseases. Two other oval pools were added through the years, and the plunge was enlarged. In 1957, the roof over the plunge collapsed, miraculously killing no one and only giving two people minor injuries. The roof was left open after that.
0: That'd be pretty amazing, the roof open, looking out at all the stars out there. That'd be cool.
1: And, I mean, this is out in the middle of nowhere, so you can imagine what the stars in the sky look like. I wonder if you could see the northern lights.
0: It's Montana. It's possible. I think we might be going up to this lodge. It is in line. the
1: southern part of Montana, but it's possible.
0: Hmm. I'm sure. Owners Mike and Eva Art bought the property in 1973, which now consists of lodges and cabins with a larger main lodge. The main lodge is the original building that was built in 1900, and it is a three-story Victorian inn. There are 48 rooms inside the main lodge. Part of the main lodge is the Warren Wing, named for actor Warren Oates, who was a frequent guest of the lodge. Oates appeared in The Wild Bunch, Dillinger, and Stripes. Stars have frequented the lodge over the years. A fun fact is that Jeff Bridges and his wife of 37 years, Susan, met while he was filming a movie near the lodge, and she was a waitress at the lodge. The Fisherman's Lodge is a one-story motel with 12 rooms. On the hill above the Fisherman's Lodge, there are several rustic cabins. There are chalets and cottages as well.
1: Present-day stars, guests, and staff are not the only people on the property. Apparently, spirits from bygone eras are still at the lodge. People died here when the hotel was used like a hospital, and of course, the property is on land that was lived upon by native people. Former owners Bill and Percy Knowles are thought to be two of the spirits still roaming the area. Before her death, Percy had spent quite a bit of time sitting in room 349 looking out the window as her health deteriorated. The third floor hallway near that room has hosted several appearances by full-bodied apparitions of Percy, and both herself and her husband Bill have been seen sitting at tables in the restaurant. One appearance of Percy that took place in 2000 was witnessed by many guests who thought she was a staff member until she
0: disappeared. (laughs) That'd be a little freaky.
1: And just to note, I don't know about Bill for sure if he died in the hotel, but Percy did not. She moved to an assisted living kind of place and lived there for four years before her death.
0: Well, so she, it looks like maybe it's just one of those cases where they went back to the familiar somewhere that they loved. Mm-hmm. We have mentioned in previous podcasts the phenomenon seen in so many different places known as the Lady in White. It seems most states and even countries have an urban legend or true tales about a woman who appears in white. We have hypothesized that the reason this might be the case is that people of lower classes decades ago could not afford the expensive dyes to color their clothing, and so they were stuck with basic white. Chico Lodge has its own lady in white as well. She is considered the most well-known ghost at the lodge and has been scaring guests for many years. Two security guards claimed they saw the lady in white near a piano on the third floor in the late 1960s. They took a picture of her, and the photo featured a white orb where the ghost had been. The ghost has been followed to room 349, and the rocking chair has moved on its own in that room. Unsolved Mysteries featured a story about a group of trespassers who broke into the Hot Springs building and started throwing a party. A woman in white appeared above the pool, and the terrified revelers ran out. Could this possibly be Percy, too? This same woman was
1: seen by a staff member in 1989 who was retrieving a blanket for a guest. She claimed to see a figure in a dress with a blank face that started to move toward her, and she ran. Later on, she said, oh, I wish I would have stuck around to see what happened, but
0: (laughs) I don't think I would have been sticking around to see what happened. What did they say? Hindsight's 20-20. It's like you're like, ah, I should have. Should have, could have, would have. But I'm like, no, I think if I saw a full body apparition, I would be like running, (laughs) even though we do a podcast. And I, you know, later I'd be going, dang, should have taken a picture.
1: I mean, maybe she was just going to pass through you and you'd feel
0: a little bit of a chill. Or maybe she was going to grab you and throttle you. Or scratch you or handprint. I mean, there's <laughs> lots of stuff has been ha- happened by apparitions. So. As
1: we like to say, even when it comes to self-defense, it's always best to run. A security guard had an experience in 1990 that he tells like this. Quote, It was in January of 1990 when I was doing my 2.30 a.m. rounds and there were only a few guests in the upstairs building. I was walking on the second floor and passed the stairway leading to the third floor. I stepped back a few paces to the bottom of the stairwell and looked up to see a matronly lady standing at the top landing looking down at me. This was unusual because there were no guests staying on the third floor. The lady was about 5'5 tall and about 45 to 50 years old. She wore a full-length pale blue dress with a high collar and long sleeves with white flowers. Her hair was in a bun. She didn't acknowledge my presence whatsoever. I asked her if I could help her, and with a face absent of expression, she walked away, drifting without movement of her torso. I ran upstairs to the third floor, and the hall was empty and quiet. The lady was gone. However, I detected a sweet fragrance between rooms 346 to 350. I opened room 349, only to find a dark, cold room. However, the rocking chair was slightly rocking back and forth. When I turned on the room's light, the chair ceased movement and the sweet fragrance was gone. When I went back to the lobby and explained what happened to the night auditor, she replied, Welcome to the Percy Club. End quote.
0: Another guard reports that the bar had been put up for the evening with all of the stools in their place and he went down the hall to the bathroom. When he returned from the bathroom, his path was blocked by the same bar stools that had just been straightened up for the evening. That same evening, He and the night auditor heard noises coming from the kitchen. When he entered the kitchen, the noises stopped suddenly. Pots and pans are heard banging around the kitchen in the middle of the night by other people as well.
1: A dark figure has been seen in room 351. It seems to me like there's a lot of activity going on on this third floor. An old family Bible in the attic always remains open to the same page in Psalms and never collects dust. The rocking chair that Percy always sat in will move to face a window no matter where it is placed.
0: It'd be interesting to find out what page of Psalms that that's open to and maybe read it to see if there might be a clue in there. Did they?
1: I was wondering that, too. Was it a favorite Psalm of one of the owners, previous owners or something? Yeah. Hmm.
0: Interesting. A male ghost was reported by an employee. He tells the following story. Quote, I had gone to bed and was just about to fall asleep. It was fairly dark, but a little light from the outside was coming through the window. Suddenly, a tall figure appeared in the corner of my own room. It hovered off the ground, extending almost to the ceiling. It began moving, waving away from the wall and down toward me, and back again. I couldn't see it too clearly, but the figure like that of a very tall man wearing something like an overcoat. I could make out the definite outline of a beard and the facial features, too. Finally, after four or five motions away from the wall and back again, the ghost came right down next to me as I lay in bed. I tried to scream, but my throat was paralyzed. I remember rolling out of my bed and crawling out into the hallway on my hands and knees. I couldn't bear to go back into my room. After I finally did, I lay in bed with the light on for a long time. End quote.
1: I always love these stories. I was listening to Darkness Radio the other night, and they do Parashare Monday. And after about the third story where the person woke up, and you've probably heard stories out there, listeners of people who wake up, and they have these experiences of sleep paralysis where they can't move at all, they can't scream, they just feel frozen. And then they talk about, well, I, and then I went back to sleep. Or somebody wakes up and sees something opening the closet door and getting ready to come at them, and then they fall asleep.
0: Or somebody is in a dorm room at their college and has an apparition screaming in their face and then stays there anyway. Casey. (laughs) (laughs) Love you, darling.
1: How do these people go back to sleep? There is no freaking way. Not only would I not go back in the room, I wouldn't be able to sleep the rest of the night. Maybe it's just because I have insomnia anyway, but that would do it for me for the rest of the night. And I can't imagine ever sleeping in there again because I would (laughs) constantly be waiting for that to happen again.
0: I, I'm right with you. I mean, even after seeing movies like Silence of the Lambs, I have a hard time sleeping in my own bed and I didn't see anything there. <laughs> this was at a movie theater. That's why I have my little rule that we have to go out into the light, not the dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'll tell a little bit of people how I'm a
1: wuss. Here's another one for you and somebody, somebody's sleeping in their bed. This is a good one too. Another man felt a presence pushed down on his chest while he was praying in bed. And then the bed shook violently. The bed was against the wall, and soon the man was being bounced against the wall loud enough that the person in the next room heard it. Eventually, the presence went away. And I suppose he probably went back to sleep.
0: Yeah, after the presence (laughs) left. Okay, I'll go back to sleep after
1: being knocked No, He's not banging me against the wall anymore. Uh, then I decided to go over and look on TripAdvisor to see if anybody said anything over there. And, you know, of course, most people were like, oh, it was a great relaxing place. It does sound like a phenomenal place to go to eat and hang out in the hot springs. And we love hot springs. We used to go to the hot springs in Glenwood Springs all the time. And there, where was Idaho that other springs. place? Springs. Idaho, Idaho springs, springs had them that- too. And uh, just really nice and relaxing and everything. But one person on TripAdvisor reported last month, this is December of 2014, quote, we stayed in room 215 in the main lodge. The bed was very comfortable. I'm not very superstitious. However, from the night in that room, I am. I'm fairly certain there was a ghost standing next to the bed all night. If I winced over, I could see her. But staring right over, I couldn't see anything. I'm sure for ghost hunters, this would be great. It left me feeling very unsettled, though. Have fun, end
0: and, quote. And did he leave? Nope. <laughs> you know, <laughs> Did you go back to sleep? <laughs> Well, it's funny, because we even had like, pers- people in our own life, besides that, we also had somebody who slept in the bed of the Veliska X murder house, right where the murders happened, seeing the holes in the ceiling right above their head. I'm like, I guess people have a different um, idea of what brings peaceful sleep than I do. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I have to agree. Now, the interesting thing is, this is room 215, which none of the other reports are about that, so just interesting and plus it's weird that you'd have to have your eyes like squinted to see the ghost if you were full on looking you didn't see anything but if you squinted you did so i was it your eyelashes <laughs> i'm not
0: sure yeah i don't know
1: but anyway they were like just want to let you know it could be
0: haunted there but hey have fun have fun have a great time <laughs> of course a lot of people seek out haunted locations that is to true. spend the night And we ourselves want to go stay at the Stanley, which is definitely reported to be haunted. Well,
1: obviously, a lot of our listeners like to go to haunted locations and hear about haunted locations. And so I'm sure many of them know that there are several sites out there that are specifically set up so that you can find out haunted locations. And Chico is on one of those sites that, you know, if you want to go to a haunted
0: hotel, here's where you can go to book your stay. And almost every bed and breakfast in St. Augustine has a ghost. So very true. So is there more than just relaxation and therapy going on at the hot springs in Chico? Is Percy Knoll still watching over her property? Are there other spirits making the rooms at the lodge their home? That is for you to decide.
1: So again, this sounds like a great place to go if you're looking for a spa and a place to relax. I'm not sure we'll be heading this direction just because it's
0: cold, but they are open during the winter as well. The winter mm-hmm. bird. Now, if we do go, it will be the middle of summer, like on their hottest month. Join us for our
1: next podcast when we will be featuring Octagon Hall in Franklin, Kentucky. And this is a place that was suggested to us from a haunted Kentucky website that I joined on Facebook. So looks like it's got some interesting history there that pertains to the Civil War and such. So I'm looking forward to checking that out.
0: I know that's been kind of our new one moving to this Part of the country is a lot of the Civil War and Civil War ghosts and stuff. So it's been very interesting.
1: Exactly. And of course, anything that pertains to the Underground Railroad, hopefully this has a little bit to do with that as well, because we've been investigating and researching a lot of the Underground Railroad sites that happen to be haunted. And we've always invited our listeners, if you know of any locations that were on the Underground Railroad that are purported to be haunted, please email us at historygoesbump at gmail.com and let us know. want to thank you guys for joining us for this podcast. This has been your host, Diane. And this is Denise. Take care now. Bye-bye.
0: Be sociable. Drop the chain rattling, neck biting, and shape-shifting. And join us on Facebook and Twitter at History Goes Bump. Like the page. And follow us.